0: You got somebody beside you, you can say, hey, hey, let's be beautiful today. Can you you tell somebody, you know, if you're with somebody, you can turn to them and say, let's be beautiful today, okay? Let's be beautiful today. All right, so we're going to talk about being beautiful. And the sermon this morning is, you know, this is the fifth in our series, and the sermon this morning is on the most beautiful woman, the most beautiful woman ever. And I want to introduce you to her, and uh, she's sitting right here on the front row. With I've been married to her for 35 years now. Yes, I married her when she was four years old, and we've been married 35 years now. So, uh, so this morning, though, I'm, my sermon is going to be on the second most beautiful woman ever. But just to make it easier, we're going to just call her the most beautiful woman ever, all right? Now, talking about beauty, and, and, and you know, when you talk about beauty, it's interesting, you know, you look at, you look at different areas of the world, and you see how things are different. You know things are considered beauty in different parts of the world different cultures and things So how do you how do you really tell what beauty is now? I've got a definition that I'm that's really what this message is I want to share with you in this message. You're gonna get my definition. I'm it's not a few words You're gonna see what my definition of beauty is and I believe it's God's also But uh, I thought maybe to get started we would go to some experts on beauty, okay And uh, here we have some experts on beauty first one is Anita age eight If you want to be loved by somebody who isn't already in your family, it doesn't hurt to be beautiful. (laughs) Amen, amen. What about Andrew? Andrew's uh, age six. One of the people has freckles and so he finds someone else who has freckles too. I I think what he, that's pretty good. I think he's saying beauty's in the eye of the beholder. You know, I mean, if you've been staring at freckles all your life, then you know, you wanna stare at freckles you know, when you get married as well. Also, Ricky, uh, age seven, good name there. Tell your wife that she looks pretty even if she looks like a truck. (laughs) Okay, you, you, you're laughing, but men, you need to write this down. <laughs> you need to there is some pearls of wisdom being shared today right here. Carolyn, age eight, my mother says to look for a man who is kind. That's what I'll do. I'll find someone who's kind of tall and handsome. That's some good advice right there. And then Brian, uh, who's age seven, it isn't always how you look. Look at me. I'm handsome like anything, and I haven't got anybody to marry me yet. It isn't always how you look. And then Christine, age nine. Beauty is skin deep, but how rich you are can last a long time. <laughs> let's, let's give these kids a hand. They're not our kids, but let's give these kids a hand. That's pretty cool. pretty good, pretty good. I used to have a friend I actually worked with for a while and uh, he was, uh, I, I thought he was going to be a lifelong bachelor. Uh, uh, some years after we quit working together, I found out he, he did actually one day get married. But his, his standards were, were just so high. And uh, we had a, a customer that was actually um, kind of a, a distant relative of his, and a little bit older. And, and, and he told him one day, he took him to lunch, and he told him one day, he said, you know, your standards are a little high, but it's what you're looking at that's so important. Here's your problem. He said, you know, you're looking for that gorgeous beautiful woman And he said he said, you know all that's gonna change one day So what's more important is? Find a woman Who is filthy rich and she can afford to make herself look beautiful for you? Okay, let me let me let me change what he's saying there just a little bit. All right you know we spend all our time thinking about the the, these externals and those things do change, right? Okay, you may not know that yet. Just wait. Okay, they're going to change, all right? It's going to change. But the stuff inside, not, not the money, like he's talking about the stuff in your billfold, in your pocket, in your checkbook, that's going to change. or, or that, that's, that's what you can use to make the change. It's not those things. It's, it's, it's the inner beauty that someone has that makes the outward beautiful all the time. That's a little bit of my definition, but let me take you to our story today. And our story is, you know, I I actually was going to preach about Esther and uh, just about three weeks ago, God started telling me, no, you're preaching about Vashti, you know, and I've preached about Esther. I mean, I've done sermon series, I've done studies on Esther, but I haven't done much on Vashti. So God said, this is where we're going for this sermon today, okay, Vashti. The most beautiful woman ever. You can argue with me later, okay? But for right now, just listen to the message. Esther chapter 1, getting verse 2. At that time, King Xerxes reigned from his royal throne in the citadel of Susa. And in the third year of his reign, he gave a banquet for all his nobles and officials. The military leaders of Persia and Media, the princes and the nobles of the provinces were present. Okay, so he does this for 180 days. A full 180 days, he displayed the vast wealth of his kingdom and the splendor and glory of his majesty. When these days were over, the king gave a banquet, lasting seven more days. So he's had a six-month, you know, just show off. Let me tell you how, show you how great I am. And so now he's going to have a banquet for seven days. In the enclosed garden, okay, now, now, now pay attention here. Can you, you know, just, just see the beauty of all this. this? And this is just the seven days that he does this. In the enclosed garden of the king's palace, for all the people from the least to the greatest who were in the citadel of Susa. And he's not just talking about the youngest to the oldest. He's talking about the least, those who don't have anything, to those who have everything. Those who are rich, those who are poor. The garden had hangings of white and blue linen. I actually looked, looked for a picture online that I could show you something just to give you an idea. And all the pictures of everybody trying to describe or t- tried to draw it or whatever to me just didn't do it justice. So you, use your, your imagination here. Uh, hangings of white and blue linen in this garden fastened with cords of white linen and purple material to fastened to silver rings on marble pillars there were couches of gold and silver, couches of gold and silver, and they were sitting on a mosaic pavement of periphery, marble, mother of pearl, and other costly stones. Just imagine this, you know, this checkerboard, you know, mosaic of tiles that are going there. And then verse 8, by the king, and I mean, and, you know, that that's, has to be one of the most beautiful uh, banquets ever given. And verse 8 says, by the king's command, each guest was allowed to drink with no restrictions. For the king instructed all the wise, all the wine stewards, not the wise ones, the wine ones, to serve each man what he wished. So for seven days, they're having this banquet and the king says, no restrictions on wine. You know, kind of like maybe a bartender might cut somebody off that's had a little too much to drink. No restrictions. This was an order. This meant anybody drink anything they want. Can I tell you something? There is almost no problem in the world that cannot be made worse with just a little bit of alcohol. You add just a little bit of alcohol, just about anything, and you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to get even worse. It's going to get worse. You know, I, I, I really want you to get this here because this is what happens here. I mean, he takes a situation that could be volatile in the first place. I mean, there are, he's already just bragging on himself to no end for six whole months, and now he's inviting everybody. That's just drink, 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 drink. Is all we can drink and everything we can drink. You know, just everybody keep drinking and just making it away. I mean, he, he's, setting, he's setting everybody up, and you remember last week's sermon? You know there are rewards or consequences to every action You know and you can't drink that much you can't drink solid seven days with somebody somebody is gonna get in trouble Somebody's gonna get messed up Somebody's gonna have a problem And the problem is The king ended up bringing it on himself. It was his own thing. You know Have you ever heard anyone say? You ever heard anyone say I make the best decisions when I am stone drunk. Now, you might have heard somebody say that before, but they probably couldn't back it up later with a good decision, could they? You ever heard anybody say that? Or or if if you've been to college or some of you are in college right now, you've seen a lot of drunk people. I mean, especially if you lived on campus, you've seen a lot of drunk people. But have you ever heard one of those drunk people say, man, if I hadn't been drunk today, I would have not aced that calculus test. Hadn't heard it. What is a nervous laughing in, laughter in here instead of I, I mean, this is true, isn't it? I, you know, w- we used to fly a whole lot uh, before we settled back into pastry again. But we used to fly a whole lot. And, you know, one of the things I've never heard in in, in, a, in an airport is I've never heard one of my co passengers. You know, as we're waiting on the flight to say, "Hey, look, there's our pilot. Let's 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 take him over to the bar and get him a couple of rounds before we fl- we take off today, right? You don't, you don't want your pilot to. Uh, be drunk when you take off, or um, no one said ever, doc, before you open me up, why don't we go have a couple of cold ones and get you really loose and get you really ready, you know, all this nervous laughter. You know why it's nervous laughter? Because two things, because one, we know it's true, and two, because we all play so close to that edge, whether it's alcohol or not, we play so close to the edge of knowing things that are inherently bad for us to mix together and we play with it, And so, so there's a little bit of nervous laugh. Where's Pastor going with this? I know he, you know, I, I'm not a drinker, but I know he, he's headed somewhere. He's going to get on my toes here and just say, so we, we laugh nervously, don't we? We can't just say, yeah, that's exactly, it is exactly right. You know, we, we don't do that kind of thing. I mean, we, we, don't, we don't plan our lives. We don't, we don't say, hey, you know, we don't take our kids to get, you know, a couple of drinks before they go take their ACT test. We, we don't do those kinds of things because we know, we know. You add alcohol, just about anything, it is not going to be a good thing, you know, unless you got a cut on your leg, you know, or something, you know, that's a good thing to add alcohol. But anything else, pretty much, you know, you make it worse. And, 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 and they made it worse. And they made it worse. Let's, let's look and see how it goes. Go on to verse uh, 10. On the seventh day, okay, seven, and remember, what have they have been doing for the last seven days? They've been drinking. Okay, so let me tell you something. For the rest of this story, there are no males. There are no males in this story that have their heads about themselves, okay? They've been drinking for seven days. And when King Xerxes was in high spirits from wine, he commanded the seven eunuchs who serve him to bring before him Queen Vashti wearing her royal crown in order to display her beauty to the people, uh, to the people and nobles for she was lovely to look at. Okay, now so, so pastor, you're basing this whole sermon on her being the most beautiful woman ever and the only thing that is said about her, about her beauty is that right there, she was lovely to look at. I, you could say that about thousands of women, couldn't you? She was lovely to look at. That doesn't mean she was the most beautiful, was it? But that's not, that's not the sermon. She was lovely to look at, but when the attendants delivered the king's command, Queen Vashti refused to come. Then the king became furious and burned with anger. She had to know that that's what was going to happen. She had to know that when the king commands that I I come, if I don't show up, I'm going to be in trouble. And now that he's been drinking for seven days, oh man, yeah, this is going to really be trouble. Here, here's, here's, here's what I'm saying about why Vashti's beauty is more than anyone, any other person's beauty that is, I and mean, not just the most beautiful woman, but the most beautiful person, is I can't imagine anyone who has risked more for the inner beauty of who she was than she risked that day. She had no idea what was going to befall her. I mean, I mean you know... You and I, we live in this day and age of, you know, that we treat each other right. You know, I mean, we want to give each other justice and mercy. We want to believe that everyone is innocent until proven guilty. But in the days of the kings, I mean, all he's got to do is just snap his finger and they take your head off of your shoulder or they put you in chains and put you in a in a jail a prison for for, Or they 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 have you tied to a post and have you beaten She was She was risking every single punishment that anybody could ever think of that any king could ever dream up She was risking all that and she risked it for the beauty that was inside More than more than more than any other thing more than any other thing more than any other person more that has ever lived I, I can't imagine anyone that is more beautiful inside than someone who would risk all of this. Because she would not sully, because she would not destroy, because she would not make ugly what was inside of her. Now, now I, I'm, talking about, I'm talking about beauty today, but I'm talking about a real beauty. I, I, I'm, I'm not talking about a beauty that will be gone in 10 or 20 years. I'm not talking about a beauty that can be taken from you in a bad car accident. I'm not talking about that kind of, I'm talking about a real beauty. A beauty that says, that, that says there, there, there is nothing that I will allow to take this from me. Vashti showed more beauty that day by refusing to be paraded around in front of a bunch of drunken men than you will ever see on a Victoria's Secret st- stage or on a page of an issue of Playboy. Because it's this beauty, this beauty, This beauty is gone. This beauty is is here today and gone tomorrow, but there's a a beauty that is inside. There's a beauty that is inside that you can't just inherit. You have to cultivate. You have to work on. You have to protect. And, and you know, and I look around today and I don't see a lot. Of this beauty, you know, if if the if the king had said, "Hey, bring her over here and let's parade her around, let everybody look at how pretty she is," you know, if he'd have been asking that today, he would have had plenty of takers. It seems today. I I mean, I I don't know where, I don't know where decency and morality have gone. I don't know where where the 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 inner beauty and personal moral integrity has gone. But I mean, these days, I mean, you you don't even have to ask. For people to parade around in next to nothing and show. You know, and and you know, let me tell you something I don't get. This is a, this is a man who's talking about his wife. I, I don't get, and I, and, and I see this today. Don't you see this? I don't get this desire to want other people to ogle your spouse. I don't get that. Or even your boyfriend or your girlfriend. I don't get that. That's not what God called us to. uh, men and women. That's not what God called us to. God didn't call us to to let everybody say, hey, you need to see this good-looking girl I'm hanging out with. God called us to protect the true beauty of those that he puts us around. He calls us to be protectors, and especially the men over the women. That when, When the word of God talks about the man being the head, it doesn't mean he gets to make all the decisions, okay? Because when you get married, you'll understand he don't get to make all the decisions, that's not what it's about. When, when the man is there, what it means is he is in charge. It's like he's, he's, the top, he's the top police. He's the top sheriff in town. He's the one to protect and to maintain the protection of the family. And that goes down to the very integrity and moral character of every person in that family. How much does she risk? Let's look. I'll show you how much she risks in verse, begin verse 16. So Mimucan replied in the presence of the king and the nobles and said, Queen Vashti has done wrong. Not only against the king, but also against all the nobles and the peoples of all the provinces of King Xerxes. He says, she's done us wrong, king. She might have done everybody else wrong because she didn't let them look at her. But she honored herself. She honored herself, which, which 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 is more important with your beauty and integrity than anything. For the queen's conduct, Memucan goes on and says the queen's conduct will become known to all the women, so they will despise their husbands and say, "King Xerxes commanded Queen Vashti to be brought before him, but she would not come." Here's what he's worried about. Memucan's worried about going home and finding out his wife has learned about this, and now she won't do what he tells him to do. She won't do what he tells her to do. That's what he's worried about. He's not worried about the rest of the kingdom. He's worried about his wife. I get home, she's not going. To, she is going to despise me. Let me tell you, that word right there, despise, in the Hebrew, actually literally means this. If you, if you break it down, it's actually a couple of words there. And it means, with contempt in their eyes on their husbands. That's what he was worried about. He said, if I get home, she is going to look at me with contempt and say, you've always made me do this. And the king doesn't even make his wife do that. And he thought, to look on their husbands with contempt in their eyes. We bring, listen, here's the other side. We've got Vashti as the most beautiful, this interior integrity and and moral character that is there, this awesome beauty that is there. And then on the other side, we've got the king and all these drunken men. And we bring, make, make no mistake about it, we bring contempt upon ourselves. Contempt doesn't just come out of, nowhere contempt doesn't just arise out of somebody's feelings I got my feelings hurt contempt arises when we don't act in a right way toward the people in our lives and we're specifically I mean right specifically right here with a man and, and and a wife you know a husband and wife here but that's with everybody If people hold you in contempt, if people look at you and they've got contempt in your eyes, there's probably a reason behind it. And it could just be a a misunderstanding, but there is still a reason why people have contempt for one another. You you aren't born with contempt. You don't just inherit contempt. Contempt, for lack of a better word, is earned. And if you've ever earned some contempt, oh, it's, it's, it's a tough thing sometimes to... To regain that spirit of love and trust that that looks you know if you've ever treated a spouse and your spouse in such a way that 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 they look at you with contempt sometimes it's hard to get that trust back but you have to work toward it you have to go after it and remember last week's sermon one of the principles that I told you about was forgiveness and restoration so you may have a lot of contempt I know some of you are bordering right on the edge. If you're not there yet, you may have some contempt. But I tell you, there is still the principle of forgiveness and restoration. If you will let God, he can forgive. And he can restore everything. He built it. He created it. He designed it. He empowered it. And he can heal it. Oh, come on. Can I get just a little amen right there? He can it. And if you don't believe me, say "Amen" on faith, just in your heart, Amen. He can heal mine too. Let us let, go on verse eighteen. This very day, I mean, you can—he's—he's he's, uh, still talking here. This very day, the Persian and Median women of the nobility, of who have heard about the queen's conduct, will respond to all the king's nobles in the same way. There will be no end of disrespect and discord. What disrespect? I mean, Vasti is not bringing any disrespect. Okay? Vashti has not has not brought disrespect. She is not disrespecting at all. She just didn't show up. As far as we know, she didn't send any word back like, tell him I ain't coming. She didn't say that. She just didn't come. There was no disrespect. There was and and, and if she could just hold her tongue and just not show up, that was actually respect <laughs> instead of disrespect. Vashti could not help it if other women had no self-respect and men had no self-control. That was not her call. That is up to everybody else to live their, their life. It doesn't matter if, if no other women have self-respect and men don't have self-control. That doesn't matter. I've still gotta be who I am. That's where the beauty, that's where the beauty is. Found. I mean, this is where I see the beauty in, in Vashti is, is, is that, that's who I am and this is who I will be. Verse uh, what, uh, 19, or, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, yeah, we got, let me, I got to tell you about the beauty here. Let me, let me really define it for you here. I, you know, I'm a blunt person, okay? I'm pretty blunt. I mean, you know, if you don't want to know, don't ask me because I, I, I just think when somebody asks me a question, they want to know the answer, you know? That's why I'm probably not, I probably don't have a future in politics, you know? My way of diplomacy, you know, in trying to get to an agreement is to tell you the truth, now let's work it out. <laughs> I don't work in politics, you know, and sometimes. So I, I, I'm pretty blunt, okay? So I just want to make sure we're, we really get it today. I want you to know what true beauty is and what true beauty, let me show you something. True beauty does not succumb to the argument that everyone else does it. You know, if if he or she opens her mouth and says, you are so beautiful, but uh, you are so beautiful now, Why don't you, uh uh-uh. Those two things don't connect to one another. You can't, you can't uh, uh, begin to, uh, you know, go towards someone's beauty and reach towards someone's beauty and implore upon someone's beauty and then begin to take them into another different direction. You can't do that. True beauty, true beauty does not succumb to the argument that everyone else does it. Or lower its standards to compete with the obscene. True beauty does not, true beauty does not look at the obscene and say, oh no, what are we going to do? I have got to become, because of obscene, I've got to become this." True beauty says, that doesn't matter. What happens outside of my body doesn't matter. What matters is what I do with who I am and what I'm doing. And, and you, you may have heard the story uh, uh, this past year of, of, uh, of, of, these pictures of, of uh, pictures that had been tweeted that had been hacked. Somebody had gone back up in the cloud, you know, and they had had been able to pull nude pictures of some famous, famous young ladies, and then they were, you know, just sharing them with other people, you know. And one of the young ladies, she said, when somebody asked her about it later, because, you know, can, can I tell you something? I hate, never say never, you know, never say never. I try to never say never. But you know, that, that, that's never gonna happen, pastor. You know, because pastor ain't gonna have you up there in the first place. Come on, I nervous laughter. I know, this, this, is re- this is really a little deep right here, right? And my wife asked me the other day, is this one of those that she's gonna wanna be sick for, not be in the, in the middle of this service, right? That's probably not gonna happen. To you, Pastor, because they're not going to be up there in the first place. And so, you know, people began saying this. You know, they can't steal your pictures if there are no pictures. And so they asked this one actress and said, why, why, why would you do that anyway? And she said this. She said, Guys are either going to look at pornography or look at their girlfriends. And you know what she had done? She had lowered her standards to compete with the obscene. True beauty does not compete with the obscene true beauty says I know who I am and Me and God we can maintain this right here, and if, I, if there's not a guy or a girl Whoever you are guy or girl if there's not a guy or girl who will love me for the beauty that is within inside of me They will never love me for what I try to become that is not me or or True beauty does not wish to be accepted and praised by the sordid and the tawdry Because that's a lot of what this world is doing today if I, if, I, if I go far enough, everybody else say, man, that was cool. If I do enough, and, I, and we're, not, we're not just talking about nudity and those kinds of things. We're not just talking about but just anything. True beauty does not, or, true beauty, last or, d- true beauty does not dishonor itself through the immoral customs of the surrounding culture. Uh, th- this is a little bit of a holdover from last week that I didn't get thrown at you, so I'm gonna throw it at you right here. So think about this with, with the story of Samson as well. Just because... Culture does it doesn't make it okay. Just let that sink in a little bit. You know, in two or three months, something like that, spring break will be arriving, a couple of months, maybe. Just because culture does it doesn't make it okay or make it a wise thing to do. Bachelor parties and bachelorette parties, just because culture does it doesn't mean it's a wise thing to do for you. True beauty says, I don't have to conform to culture and you know what all this that Vashti is in one little act just refusing to go walk around parade around in front of a bunch of drunk men all this that she shows us about true beauty she didn't learn in a Sunday school class we have we have no idea what her religious affiliation is but we're pretty sure you know 3,500 3, years ago, 3,000 years ago, she, she, pretty sure that she didn't go to Sunday school. She didn't learn that in Sunday school. But God puts inside each of us the understanding and the grasp and the, and the whole thing of, of what true beauty is. We know, don't we? She knew, and you do too. Thank you for shaking your head with me, some of you. I appreciate that. That's, that's a good amen right there. We say, yeah, we know. Pastor didn't have to tell, we already know this, pastor's just kind of reminding us today. We already know. Let's, let's hurry through these, these last few real quick. Therefore verse 19, if it pleases the king, let him issue a royal decree and let it be written in the laws of Persia and Media, which cannot be repealed, that Vashti is never again to enter the presence of King Xerxes. She loses her husband over this. I'd say she didn't lose a whole lot as far as the husband. You might say, whoa, but he was king. But as far as the husband, she didn't lose a whole lot. Your husband wants you to do something like this fun with a bunch of drunken men. You ain't losing a whole lot when you lose him. Also, let the king give her royal position to someone else who is better than she. Okay, she lost her position as queen. That may be, I, I think that's probably more, she lost more in that than she lost in the husband. But she made a choice. What's your choice? Would you choose a crown or your inner integrity of who you are? What's the choice that you would make? Then when the king's edict is proclaimed throughout all his vast realm, all the women will respect their husbands from the least to the greatest. And this this is word right here, respect, kind of jumped out at me. Respect. Yeah, when we tell y'all what to do, you ladies, y'all going to really respect us. <laughs> that ain't the way it works. That may look good on paper. And you know what? It really looks good when a bunch of drunks are sitting around talking about it. You know, you can come up with a whole lot of good ideas. But that ain't the way it works. You go home, you tell your wife, this is how it's going to be, and she's going to respect you. No. There is, there is a fear that some people, and this is, not just, this is not just one-sided. There are men who make women fear them, sometimes with violence, but the, and there are women that make men fear them because you're going to leave them or whatever. There, there, we you know, Both sexes, we use fear. It is not respect, it is fear. And when someone stays with you because of fear, there there is no love there. And the beauty's gone. The beauty's gone. Uh, Let's go on verse 21. The king and his nobles were pleased with this advice. I just gotta say this, okay? Idiots normally are pleased with stupid advice. Okay, I, I I just gotta say that. Idiots are normally, they normally are pleased with stupid advice, okay? You know, but that, that's, that, that's exactly what you know, normally speaks to them. And these, these guys who are sitting around. They were not thinking intelligently. They've been drunk for six, seven days now. And so this advice was some of the most stupid advice the king could ever get. Uh, so, but the king did. His Mimucan, why did he do his memucion? Because everybody else thought this was a good idea. Can I tell you something? Getting everybody to agree with you does not make you smart. And it does not make the decision wise. but he did, he did it because everybody else agreed to it. He sent dispatches to all the parts of the kingdom, to every province in his own script, and to each people in their own language, proclaiming that every man should be ruler over his own household. Here's what he did. He did what we do. We think, well, this is probably not a really good idea or, or, you know, I was, you know, I'm in this argument here with this person and, and people don't know if, if I'm wrong or they're wrong. And, 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 you know, the only way probably to combat that is tell all of my friends and that way they'll all be on my side and that way I'll be right. Having everybody on your side does not make you right. Talking everybody uh, into believing your way is not right, does not make you right. Telling everybody about it like this king did saying, this is what we're going to do. That doesn't make it right. But that's what he did. Last, our last two verses, right here, are verse uh, in, in chapter two. After these things, verse one. After these things, chapter two. After these things, when the anger of King Ahasuerus or King Xerxes had subsided, we, we move to a different version of the Bible here, and that's why it's got a different name there. When the the anger of King Xerxes had subsided, after the temper tantrum. Get this, after the temper tantrum, it's too late. <laughs> Many times <laughs> it's too late. You, got, you can't go just fix. You gotta, sometimes you've got to go have a resurrection. You can kill the love in your marriage. And the only thing left after that is you, you can't fix it, you can't heal it. You've got to have a resurrection. You know, some, there, the, some of you have come to that place In your marriage. Some of you are there right now. Some of you have been there in the past. And you know exactly, some of you right now, if it wasn't for embarrassment, you could stand up right now and say, Amen. You better listen to what the pastor is saying. If you keep killing your marriage, you're going to come to a place that it can never be healed. It It will have to be resurrected. But the good news is, God can even do that. He resurrected his own son on the third day, he called Lazarus out of the tombs. He, Jesus went in into a little girl's bedroom, took her by the hand, and raised her up. He did all of those things. Oh, he he used Paul after Paul preached a three-hour sermon, and one boy, he he fell asleep and fell out a window and died, you know. And Paul went down and raised him, and if he does that, he can do that for your marriage too. So, so no matter how bad the fighting's gotten, just stop it. Just stop and say, God, heal us from right here. when the anger had subsided, he remembered Vashti. I, I, you know, just look at those words right there. He remembered Vashti. Those other words earlier where it talked about how lovely she was, that may be what you think is what got my attention that how beautiful, why she was the most beautiful woman. Now, here, these three words are the ones that stick out to me. He remembered Vashti. She must have been some woman. That after all of this, he remembered Vashti. He remembered her. She was something special. It didn't say he remembered how good looking she was, and he started lusting after her and wanting her to come back to his bedroom. No, no, that's not what it says. He remembered Vashti. He remembered who she was, and then he remembered what she had done, and he remembered what had been decreed against her. And he didn't. It it, it doesn't say there. If you look in the Hebrew, like this says, it doesn't say that. He remembered what he decreed, he remembered what had been decreed. And so somewhere in his mind he was thinking, my idiot friends cost me my marriage. And some of you got some idiot friends going to cost you your marriage. And some of you got some idiot friends going to cost you your marriage one day. And you know what you need to do is you need a, you need a new set of friends. You need friends that are going to build up your marriage. You need friends that are going to build up your relationships. You need friends that make you more beautiful every single time that you're around them. And I'm talking about on the inside. And if you're married, I said, there's no better place to start than this Saturday night, date night. I mean, you need to make some new friends, some who are building you up. That's what date night is all about. It's not about just getting time away from the kids. It's about doing something to strengthen your marriage. Lastly, uh, verse 4, then let the young lady who pleases, so then, he, then he says, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have a beauty pageant. And let the young lady who pleases the king be queen in place of Vashti, and the matter pleased the king, and he did accordingly. I, I, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to say this as, as quick as I can, so I can close. Right, so I can close right here. I was going—I mentioned this earlier. I was going to preach on Esther today. That's what I've had this on my calendar to preach since I don't know, since the end of end of the summer. This this sermon, but it was it was it was going to be about Esther, and just about three weeks ago, God said, "No, this it's going to be about Vashti." Esther replaced Vashti. Esther was the one who, who and, and you look at the, you look at the story, and you say, "Oh, Esther! Esther was the most beautiful woman in the land." Because they basically had, you know, you could call it a beauty pageant, beauty contest, but no. If you look at it, you know what it really was, is it was the bachelor. You know that TV show? It was the bachelor on steroids. They got, they gathered all these women together and they, they got them all, they gave them their makeovers. That was a different kind of makeover than you and I think about today, but it, they got that kind of stuff too. They got their makeovers and then every one of them, they didn't just have a date, they had, a, they spent the night with the king. I mean, this, this is, and this is what Vashti had to watch and had to see what was going on, but we never hear another word from Vashti. She doesn't, at the last minute, yeah, will say, I'm sorry, I want my king back. I want my husband back. He said, if you'll give me one more chance, I'll put on the crown and I'll go down the runway and I'll show off everything you want me to show off, king. She never says that. She maintains her integrity. And that's why I believe God said, I want you to preach on Vashti. As beautiful as Esther was, and as many things as, as I could preach to you about awesome of Esther, the awesomeness of Esther, God says, just let them see this inner beauty. Of Vashti can I ask you to do something with me would you join us? join us at the front if you're a first-time Attender we'd like to close at the front with a final song and a final prayer I got, I got just one last a little quick challenge for you and a, and a word of prayer we'll have and then the last song and And we'd love to have you join us we promise we won't do anything to embarrass you single you out point you out or anything We just love to have you come join us if you will Again, prayer team members are all around you. They wear a little, little lanyard. And uh, if, if, if you're, I haven't preached about healing today, but if you're sick, let a prayer team member pray for you. Uh, let them believe with you for healing. If, you know, if you've got financial needs today, if you've got a job interview tomorrow and you want a prayer team member to pray with you that God just goes before you and prepares your way, Go grab one of them. Please don't walk. And and even after we say amen and the song's done, you can still grab a prayer team member. We'd love to pray with you. Let Let me say this real quick if I can. This message is about this. What's more important? To look like a leader or be a leader? What's more important? To look like a good husband or be a good husband? What's more important? Look like a good wife or be a good wife? You know, I, I, told, I told the worship team right before service, we were going to pray. And I said, let me say something real quick. I said, I'm going to say something toward the end. I'm just going to tell you exactly what I told them. I said, I said it, it isn't important what it sounds like. And some of the leaders up here said, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Huh? Oh, it is important what it sounds like. And I just let everybody settle down for a minute. I said, if there's nothing real in it, it doesn't matter what it sounds like up here if it's not real. It doesn't matter what it looks like. And we get, we get all, all excited about how it looks, how my marriage looks, how, how my, my relationship looks. I was reading an article just the other day about a, a, a lady, she said, you know, when I was a, a senior in high school, me and two of my friends, we wrote down what the ideal man would be like. She said, I wasn't dating anybody, so you know, mine was, mine was pretty much just kind of spread out there. And she said, but the, my two friends, they were dating somebody, and so they pretty much described the guy they were already dating. They'd already decided this is the guy. And she said, neither one of them got married to that guy. <laughs> you know, but what do we do? We want it to look like something. We want it to look like we've got it together. It's hard to let somebody pray for us over our finances because we don't want anybody to know, man, we're, we're, we're struggling. And let me tell you, there, there's not a lot of people who aren't struggling in this culture that we have today in, in lots of areas, and finances as well right now with things going on in our, in, in, you know, in our economy today. There's, a, there's not a lot of people who aren't. So don't take a step back and say, I'm worried about what people will think because what's more important than what it looks like, <laughs> and that is, that is like, a hundred on the list on the priorities. How it looks is about 100. What's more important is what it is. What's more important is who you are. What it's like inside. The integrity that you have inside and maintaining that integrity and standing to be who you're supposed to be. Who God called you to be. All the stuff you know I could talk to you about but love is important. Yes love is important but what is, what's he talking about in 1 Corinthians when it, chapter 13 when he talks about that? He said, you can, t- you can speak with tongues of angels. You can prophesy. You can do all kind, of, all kind of works, but if you don't have this inner moral integrity of love, you ain't got nothing. It's got to be this inside. This morning, forget everything on the outside. Forget how it looks. Forget how it sounds. Forget anything else. And let's just, for a moment, just be with God and deal with our inner stuff. Would you bow with me? Would you close your eyes and I said I was going to try to do that quick. I didn't do it, did I? Bow here. bow with me.